Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. With the state of the world over the past couple of years, so many of my clients and listeners have told me that their sleep has really been impacted. So I feel I'd be doing you a massive disservice if I didn't introduce you to our newest sponsor, Ned, because they have a solution for you. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants. It's grown by an independent farmer and his family in Colorado. Now, Ned's co-founder and I sat down and had a really lovely conversation about sourcing and farming practices and how they chose their farm. And this company is the real deal. I've been using these products for a while now with incredible results. So Ned's best selling sleep blend offers a natural solution for a good night's sleep. It contains CBN, which is a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep. It has 700 150 milligrams of CBD, and it also has uh, organic and wildcrafted botanicals. You all know that I love Nervine herbs. So it has oat straw, lemon balm, passion flower, skullcap. These are herbs that help to relax the body and promote sleep. If you need help unwinding at night, I highly recommend purchasing the Dream Set because it also contains Mellow, which is their awesome magnesium blend that features GABA and L-theanine. This is a non negotiable in my nighttime routine lately. So it's my birthday month. It's Ned's birthday month. If you'd like to give their new and improved sleep blend a try, functional nutrition listeners get 21% off with code FUNK for the month of March only. It is their best offer of the year. Visit helloned.com forward slash FUNK to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Funk to get 21% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And to all of my Organifi-loving friends, get excited, get ready, because something new is coming. I'm teasing it out. It's not released to the public yet, but you will be the first to know about it. All I can tell you now is that it tastes amazing. You're going to love it. And it has a really healthy dose of ashwagandha, which is one of my all-time favorite adaptogens, helps the body cope and adapt to stress. It's also really good if you have a low androgen picture. So you have like low DHEA, low testosterone, super common. Uh, Ashwagandha can be helpful for that. So get ready. I will announce it as soon as it's live. Check it out yourself heading to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. Be sure to use code FUNK to save 20% off of your purchase. Hello, friends. So today I have a unique interview, which I'm very excited about because after four and a half years of podcasting, it's 
fun to do different stuff. Um, today I have on the founder of Dry Farm Wines, Todd White, and he's going to talk to us all about why wine makes us feel like trash. <laughs> um, and the most exciting thing for me is not just the information that he delivers, which by the way, I at the beginning, you won't hear me say this because it was before we started recording, but I was kind of like, hey, I want to just like sit back, relax, put my feet up and learn. Um, oftentimes I'm interviewing clinicians and we do a lot of back and forth and I have like so many questions and I was kind of, I don't really know, I know wine in that I love it and I know certain wines make me feel really good and certain wines make me feel really bad. Um, but out Outside of that, I don't know much about the wine industry. So I was so excited to learn. Um, and that's why you'll hear him talk a lot and me ask very few questions because I'm just like, I'm going to defer to the expert on this one. But why I'm, I'm super pumped is that um, I get to officially announce that our new show sponsor is Dry Farm Wines. And it's so excited, exciting because this is kind of like a vision board sponsor for me. I have wanted to partner with this company for a very long time. I've been drinking their wine for years. I've had a subscription to dry farm wines for years. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably have seen, you know, you see me. Um, that's the kind of wine that I drink. And I just knew you'll, you'll hear me tell a little bit of a story of how I found them. It was on a podcast actually. So this is so cool that I get to like pay this forward to any of my, um, wine drinking buddies out there. But we really hand select our sponsors for this show. We we have a, a lot, because of the size of the audience, we have a lot of opportunities for collaborations and sponsorships and partnerships. And we are very particular about who we choose to partner with. So th this is a company that I, I love what they're doing. Um, I believe in what they're doing. And I also have been using their products for literally for years. I was trying to think if it was two years, three years, it might even be four years, but a while. And neither Todd nor myself are going to front like wine or alcohol is a health food. Todd will talk about that actually quite a bit. But for folks who are, um, you know, who are very mindful of their health, of their of their wellness, of their well-being, of the the things that they consume, of the food that they eat, and you also happen to drink wine, this is a conversation for you. For me, wine is, is an experience. It's something that I deeply enjoy. Um, having a glass of wine while I'm cooking dinner a couple nights of the week or getting together with friends and drinking a glass of wine or two, or I just really, it's like a full body visceral experience that brings me joy and brings me pleasure. And if you are, if you are, have been following along with the show, if you've been listening for a while, you know that really the theme for me of the past year is kind of leaning into what feels good, um, leaning into joy, which is not my set point. That is not easy for me to do. That actually takes practice. And one of the ways that I practice that it practice that is by allowing myself to do things, to enjoy experiences that feel good. And of course, this conversation is not going to be appropriate for everybody. I totally get that. I acknowledge that. But for those of you who are looking for a a way to enjoy wine that makes doesn't make you feel terrible. And again, Todd will talk about all of all of the factors that go into that and and kind of like why that might be. I, I learned so much just listening to him talk for an hour. But if you want to check out the natural wines from Dry Farm Wines, which 
totally suggest that you do because they're a sponsor, Functional Nutrition uh, Podcast, get a special deal. With your first box, you get an extra bottle for a penny. Uh, they would give it to you free, but because it's alcohol, it legally can't be free. So you can head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash funk. You get free shipping delivered straight to your door. You stay till the end of this conversation where you can learn a little bit more about their subscription process. It is, it's incredible. It has absolutely expanded my wine horizons. I was like, I kind of just stuck to the same old, same old, um, and and having a subscription to Dry Farm Wines um, has allowed me to experience and learn a lot more about wine. I just love it. I can't say enough about it. So I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let Todd take over from here. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks so much for being here. Well, I'm excited to be here. Lots to talk about wine and a few dirty, dark secrets of the wine business. Which I didn't really know about. So I, I grew up drinking wine, which is maybe like that's a weird way to say it, but my family have has always enjoyed wine. So wine to me is kind of just like a very, it's, it brings me a lot of joy. I love making dinner with a glass of red and like listening to music. It's a whole experience. Um, I, the audience knows this. I, about seven years ago, I started getting really sick. I was dealing with autoimmunity, chronic illness, and started to react to wine. And it, I was, um, a lot of folks in the chronic illness camp end up kind of getting pitched into this hypervigilance, which is like, the world is out to get me. I can't eat this food. I can't be in this environment. I can't be exposed to this type of thing. And so we start to like really pull back from a lot of things that we enjoy, whether it be food or otherwise. And I was like, I've cut out so much from my life, but like wine is the hill to die on for me. Like, I don't want to give this up. And I remember crying to a friend and just being like, I don't, I don't want to have to give up things that I love. This makes me feel so sad. And it was right around that time that I heard about dry farm on a podcast. And I was like, all right, <laughs> let's give it a shot. And I've had a subscription ever since. And it's truly wine that I can drink without feeling like a dump truck. Um, so thank you for doing what you do because dump truck is a great description for drinking conventional wines. So what's see the what's deal? Yeah, well, the, the deal? deal is the deal is the same thing that happened in our food supply has happened in wine. And what I mean by that is it's been massive corporate consolidation fueled by Wall Street money. So this is all about money and greed. What's happened to wine and why it makes you feel bad. And so, by the way, everything I'm going to share with you, none of this is my opinion. These are facts, and everything I'm going to tell you is easily verifiable through a Google search. So this is not like marketing spin or my opinion. These are just industry facts. So what happened is, you know, like basically nine or ten food companies control almost all the food that flows across the United States. Well, the same things happen basically in wine. And this started, well, the worst of wine kind of began in the 1920s with the advent of chemical farming, right? And then in the 1970s, we got irrigation, which is another issue. And then in the, really in the 1980s, fueled through Wall Street, you know, cheap money on, public money on Wall Street, we had the emergence of sort of these mega consolidators who buying up the wine industry. And their goal was never, as you can imagine, to make wine 
better or healthier was to make wine cheaper and faster, right? And so the industry rolled up like this. The top three wine conglomerates in the United States make 52% of U.S. wines. And the top 30 companies make over 70% of U.S. wines. So when you go in a store and you see hundreds of bottles, and the reason all this is important because this is what's fueling the problem, right, is money and profits and, and scale. Like in America, we like to scale everything, right? And so this, when you go in the store and you see these hundreds or thousands of bottles of wine on the shelves for, you know, or in a bottle shop, most of those wines are made by a handful of companies. Now, they don't want you to know that. So they hide behind thousands of brands and labels. These multi-billion dollar marketing conglomerates hide behind labels that have like animals on them or maybe it's cute or maybe it has a chateau or a farmhouse. They want you to think that you're drinking from this, you know, country farmhouse when in fact you're drinking from massive wine factories located in central California. You even got some fitness-based wines and things like that that are hiding behind these same labels that are also manufactured in these same factories right and so this is it makes it very confusing for consumers to understand what the truth is because there is no truth in wine why is that because there's not a contents label or nutritional information on a wine bottle why is there not a contents label or nutritional information because the wine industry spent millions of dollars in lobby money to keep this labeling off of wine bottles Simply, they don't want you to know what's in it. Well, why would they not want you to want to know what's in it? Well, because there's 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Some of them, in fairness, are natural. But many of them are quite toxic. Wait, when and you the, say natural, do you mean like natural by, byproducts of the winemaking process? Like no, I mean like, no, I mean like, as an example, you know, <clears throat> well, here's another issue. And I'm going to answer, tell you the whole story on the additives. But so there are also animal products in the additive group, right? And so there are two animal products, fish bladders and egg whites. So if you're vegan, then you care about whether your wine has animal products in it or not. We don't allow them. Both of these animal products, fish bladders, weird thing, and egg whites are used for a process called fining. And fining is the final step to make the wine super clear. Or in the wine world, clarity is also known as lipidity. So the lipidity of a wine, people believe that the clearer a wine is, then the higher quality is. There's no truth to that. In fact, just the opposite. But that's a belief, just like people believe that the darker a red wine is, the higher the quality it is, also not true. So, in fact, I make a case for just the opposite. But, so these widely held myths drive a lot of these processes, these chemical processes. Like, for example, the darkness. Well, there's an additive you can add to the, it's an approved additive that will make wine darker. It's a color agent, right? So that's, that's an approved additive. The most toxic of these additives is called dimethyl dicarbonate. And if you look dimethyl dicarbonate up on Wikipedia, you'll see it'll say hazard colon toxic. Now, so the problem is the wine industry doesn't want you to 
know that these additives are in wine, so they have fault labeling. Wine is the only major food product without a contents label, not to mention it has no nutritional information, so you don't know how much sugar is in it. And if you care about your health, you care about sugar. So some of the other natural, you ask me what, what are natural? Like, um, well, there's a clay. Uh, there's a clay, especially sort of uh, fine clay that's also used for filtering. It's natural. There's nothing disturbing about it. It's dirt. It's clay. It's not too, not too harmful. I don't take any issue with it. The problem is some are natural, some are animal products, and then some are toxic. And you don't know which ones have been used or may or may not have been used in the wine making process. The fact of the matter is when you make wine in these factories in huge volumes, you have to use chemical in order to keep the environment stable. See, because wine contains bacteria, lots of bacterias. And some of them are bacterial faults. And so this dimethyl dicarbonate, this chemical is used to treat the single most common bacterial fault found in wines known as Brettamyces. And so this dimethyl dicarbonate is used to treat this bacterial fault so that you don't lose the wine, right? So, but let me address a couple of, you know, really common held questions. Like one, our wines are sugar-free. People are like, how can your wine be sugar-free? Because grapes contain sugar. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the toxicity of alcohol and how dangerous drinking is. And it surprises people to hear me say that. They're like, you're a wine guy. Does that good You're the business? wine guy. What's, what's up with that? Well, what's up with that is that alcohol is a very dangerous neurotoxin, which is why we only sell lower alcohol wines. And you know from drinking them, they not only taste better, but you feel better. And one of the reasons you feel better is you're just, you're just drinking less alcohol. And so it surprises people to think, the wine guy who they think is here to sell wine, which is not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to do is educate you. If you choose to drink, I think you should drink wine, and I think you should drink natural wine that's sugar-free and lower in alcohol and also organically grown. So wait, wait, some wait. people wait. Hold on. But there's so different wines have different levels of alcohol? Yes. So categorically, wine can range from 7% to about 18% categorically. That's kind of wine. Most wines today range around 15%. The wines we sell, we sell wine between 7% and at the highest 12.5%. Most of the wines I drink are between 9 and 11%. A, I don't love alcohol, but I love wine. I like alcohol in moderate doses. I don't like getting drunk. It is an occupational hazard. It happens occasionally, but <laughs> it's not my pursuit. I was, I've I never was just, thought about that. Like, 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 I don't like love alcohol, but I love wine. I've never really thought about that. But right, well, people like, I mean, like, I'm pretty down on alcohol, particularly as a drug. I mean, it's just like it's not a great drug, and you know, and so people are like, well, I thought this guy's selling wine. It's like, well, I am, but. But I'm selling a thoughtful, more conscious approach to wine, right? So wine should be something you use to tap in, not to check out, right? And so these additives, all these things are in wine, higher alcohol, commercial processing, factory products. They make you feel bad. So you tend to check out. 
wine in its natural form and historically back to the Greeks and even before that, I mean, wine was used as a way to connect with people. It was used as a spiritual, wine has always been associated with spirituality in the church and so on and so forth. I mean, wine should be a very spiritual experience where you're tapping into this kind of magic spirit of nature. And that's not what's happening with these high alcohol commercial factory products. They make you feel bad and you check out, you feel like, you, the dump truck I thought was a good analogy, but to me it's kind of like being slugged in the head with something, right? And so, look, we should be very careful and think about how we drink, right? And I'll tell you, maybe my life could be better off if I didn't drink at all. I have no idea. It's just that I want to be thoughtful about it so that, particularly as I'm aging, so that I can have a more thoughtful relationship with how I drink, right? If not, I would have to stop drinking. So that's sort of what led me to Dry Farm Wines. My company wasn't started... I didn't really start it as a business. I really fell into it trying to find a healthier way to drink, right? So I had gone through some diet changes and I was a biohacker and and so I really wanted, <clears throat> I was looking for a way to feel better while drinking great wine. And then I stumbled upon the natural wine revolution, which was just getting underway in central France at the time. So natural wine is a very confusing term to consumers because I say, oh, I only drink natural wine. They're like, well, aren't all wines natural? No, they're not. Now, the wine industry would have you believe that, but in fact, these additives and chemical processes and manipulations and color agents and so on and so forth, defoaming agents and all the things that go into commercial winemaking cause the wine to be very unnatural. And so natural wine is a category. It's, it's well known exactly what that means in the wine world. It means three things. Natural wines are always organic or biodynamically farmed. That means chemical-free farming. And biodynamic farming is a prescriptive advanced form of organic farming. So they're always organic or biodynamically farmed. Number two, they are always fermented with wild indigenous native yeast. Wow, what does that mean? Well, when you harvest a grape berry, on the skin of the ripe grape berry, every berry in the world, it, there's a white waxy film on the outside of it. And that you can scrape it off with your fingernail. That white waxy film is actually wild native yeast that was collected in the air, indigenous to the vineyard where the grape was grown. Now yeast makes a big yeast is a very big deal when you ferment something. So the profile, the flavor profile, and the complexity of the yeast impacts substantially the flavor of what you're fermenting. And you'll know this from the recent sourdough baking craze during the pandemic. Everybody's trying to get somebody else's mother yeast because it's thought to be better, more complex, right? So yeast is very important, not only to the flavor, but to the health of the wine. So this... Natural wines are always fermented with this wild indigenous native yeast. Commercial wines are not. These factory wines are fermented with GMO, lab-cultured and lab-grown yeast. Now, why do they do that? Well, the native yeast, the ones collected through the air in the vineyard, the indigenous yeast, are too fragile and difficult to work with. 
Um, so they require a lot of constant coddling. And you can't make wine in very large volumes because it's too unstable. So you make wine in small volumes. Well, that's not consistent with the profiteering kind of large wine factory. So they use these modified lab-cultured yeast because they're stronger, they're stable, and guess what? You can buy them in different flavor profiles, right? So if you want a wine to taste like it's from Italy, they got a yeast for that. So this, so, and then number three is that natural wines are additive-free. So they don't contain any of these 76 additives that I have mentioned, right? Now, before we started recording, you asked me about sulfites. <clears throat> Let me just mention about sulfites because this is really important. All fermented food, doesn't matter what it is, all fermented food contains sulfites because sulfites are naturally occurring in the fermentation process. <clears throat> For most people, they're not really that important unless you have a sulfite allergy, and most people don't. If they have a sulfite allergy, they're probably walking around with an EpiPen because sulfites are contained in so many different foods and anything that's fermented. So the question is, does it have a high dose of sulfur dioxide added to it? And sulfur dioxide gets in conventional wines in three different ways. One, when they kill the native yeast, so you, you press the juice from the, from the berries, it goes into a tank, and that's where you ferment the wine in this large tank. And fermentation is when the yeast eats the sugar. This is how wine also becomes sugar-free. So when you ferment wine, the only thing that's really occurring there is that the yeast is activated, either spontaneously, like in a native yeast fermentation, or sulfur dioxide is in the conventional wine, Sulfur dioxide is first poured into the, into the juice to kill the native yeast because you don't want the native yeast competing with the lab-grown yeast because that turns into a disaster, right? So you kill the native yeast, and then you inoculate the juice with the lab-cultured yeast. But how wine becomes sugar-free, whether it's indigenous yeast or cultured yeast, it doesn't matter. How wine becomes sugar-free is that when the yeast activates, right, you know, it has to reach to a certain temperature before it activates, just like when you put your bread above the refrigerator or in the oven, right? If it's not warm enough, the yeast won't activate. So once the yeast activate, they start eating the sugar. That's the fermentation process, and the byproduct of that is, sulfur, is uh, carbon dioxide and ethyl alcohol. That's how you make wine. How a wine becomes sugar-free is if the winemaker allows the yeast to eat all the available sugar, what's called a full and complete fermentation, then the yeast will die and the, then the wine is sugar-free. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with whether wine is conventional or natural as to whether it's sugar-free. The question is, did the winemaker allow the fermentation process to complete? Because most conventional wines, they don't allow it to complete because they wanted to leave sugar behind in the wine. So this is how wine, sugar gets in your wine. It's not added. There's not added sugar to your wine. How, wine. how sugar gets in wine is that the winemaker breaks off the fermentation process, again, using sulfur dioxide, pours sulfur dioxide. So there's this little device that hangs in the wine tank. 
and it's very unsophisticated, but it, it measures the amount of sugar left in the juice. And at any given time, you can look on this little scale and you can see how much sugar is remaining in the juice. When it gets to the desired amount of sugar left, then the winemaker kills the yeast before the fermentation is complete, leaving residual sugar, or in the industry, it's known as RS. So leaving this residual sugar behind in the wine, that's how sugar gets in wine. Now, if you care about your health, then you care about the sugar that you're drinking or eating. We talk a lot about metabolic health over here. So yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. So, well, it's all about the metabolic health. So, if you care about all those things, you want to drink sugar-free wine. And the only, way to know if wine is, the only way to know if a wine is sugar-free is to lab test it, which is why we lab test every single wine, not only for sugar, but also for alcohol, alcohol and also for sulfites and other things that we're testing for as well. But... So the legal limit for sulfites in the United States is 350 parts per million. Wines can contain sulfites up to 70 parts per million naturally occurring, although the average sulfite in our wine is 39 parts per million, almost a tenth of what's legally allowed, right? That's the average. We will allow up to 70 parts, but we never see it because that would be on the very high end of naturally occurring. So the other interesting thing, why we test for alcohol. Well, why would you test for alcohol? Well, we believe that alcohol is a toxin, and we believe that you should drink lower alcohol wines. Not only will you feel better, but we believe you have better brain health and better physical health from drinking lower alcohol. And so uh, alcohols, there's, there's studies published on both sides of the aisle about whether alcohol is beneficial or not and what amount. And rather, red wine is more beneficial than white in what amount. So, there, so you, you can find studies on both sides. The problem is with all nutritional studies, anything we put in our body, it's very hard to get, it's very hard to get accurate information here because we don't really have strict control groups because we can't really enforce what people do. So we don't really have great, a lot of great information where nutritional is concerned. We can make some assumptions we can make we can take kind of best of what we have science and extrapolate it but we just don't really have any long-term good high quality information about same thing applies to wine right there's just not really any long-term studies on the effect of wine or alcohol so what we do have is sort of you know i i like the proverb to feel is to understand Right? And so if you're in touch with your body and your metabolic health and the things that you're consuming, then you know if something makes you feel better or not. Now, if you're like all blanked out and not taking care of yourself and not in touch with how you feel because you don't feel anything, right, because you've, your palate is dead from eating a lot of processed food and sugar or, you know, you're not you're not in touch with your body and mind, you don't feel the same way that you and I do. And probably many of your listeners who follow, you know, a, a, um, a protocol of, of wellness. And so, you know, there, there's, um, you asked me earlier also about, because we're coming up, take some questions from you, we're coming up on some time here, and a couple of things that, to add, but you asked about histamines. So, we're endorsed by a whole bunch of histamine leaders and because our wines 
don't cause people to feel the same way who have histamine sensitivities that conventional wines do. So the problem with conventional wines, because of the way they're fermented, because of the extended fermentation process that, that for red wines particularly, so people who have histamine sensitivities are more, far more sensitive to red wines. And the reason for that, and there's a ton of women all the time, this is primarily, primarily affects women, a ton of women all the time tell me, oh, I can't, I like red wine, but I can't drink it. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Or I'll, 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 a common thing that I hear is, I used to be able to drink wine, and now I can no longer tolerate it. Right. So the problem is because of the fermentation process in conventional wines to make red wines darker, they macerate the skin contact longer. So how a red wine gets its color is from contact with the skin, skin of the seed. So when you make white wine, you press the free-run juice off into a tank and it ferments and you throw the skin, seeds, and stems away. In red wine, you press the juice out into a tank and then you take the remaining skins, seeds, and stems out of the press and you put it into the tank with the juice. That's how red wine gets its color. If you squeeze, if you take a red wine grape and you squeeze the juice from it, you take a white wine grape and you squeeze the juice from it, they're both clear, relatively clear. The, the red wine gets its color and its tannin structure from contact with the skins, the seeds, and the stems that come out of the press. But the problem is that conventional winemakers, in order to get the tannin structure bigger and bolder and the color darker and richer, they macerate or extract the contact between the skin and the juice for a much longer period of time. This elevates biogenetic amines, and the two primary ones are tyramine and histamine. That's the reason there's an elevated in conventional wines. And people, so you know from drinking natural wines from us, they taste much lighter. I do want to shout out our show sponsors. They make this show possible. You know, it's awesome. One thing that I hear from clients often is I used to be able to drink wine and now I can no longer tolerate. And there's a reason for that. We talk a lot on the show about processed food, but wine can be extremely processed as well. There are 76 additives legally approved for use in winemaking. This can be dyes, thickeners, GMO yeast, and the top 20 wines sold in the U.S., the most popular ones, all contain high levels of sugar. So my answer to that problem is dry farm wines. I've had a subscription for them uh, for years, and I absolutely love every single bottle they sell. They are organically, biodynamically grown, sugar-free, low alcohol, and they source wines from small family growers. So if you're like me and you enjoy the occasional glass of wine while you're cooking with your family, head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash funk. For Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners, they're offering an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. You get free shipping and delivery straight to your door. So check them out and enjoy. And then also BioCult. They're my probiotic of choice. It's a really broad spectrum probiotic, meaning it has lots of different strains. That's typically what I recommend as like a daily 
probiotic, um, really good price point. So you get, it's a good value for the product. It's a good price point. It's like around 30 bucks. Uh, the boosted is my favorite just because it's more potent than their regular. So you can check them out BioCult, And of course our discount codes, which you can find in the show notes. I'll make sure to get those in, in there for you, uh, does save you some monies. What, you're talking about dark wine, but why is there this like omnipresent belief that dark wine is like better? Like, where did that come from? Because I that is exactly it. And I notice, like, when I see a, a dark wine now, I'm like, ooh, I get like I get like an immediate headache. And so that is one of the things that my husband and I have noticed about all of our wines that come in through dry farm wines is that a lot of them are, are a lot lighter in color. And I didn't understand the why. The reason that. being, and that's part of the reason why you feel better, right, is, well, and lower tannins. We also don't allow the use of new oak. This is another wine, you know, this oak flavoring that is very common among American palates. Um, so the, all of these issues, this lower maceration period, this kind of more natural, fresher approach to fermentation is the reason you feel so much better, right? And so, and, 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 and they taste different too. They're lighter, they're more alive, right? They don't taste dead. They don't taste heavy, right? right? Because they've not been sterilized with sulfur dioxide. So what happens in conventional wines is that bottling, this is how the sulfite levels get so high. And again, we don't know if there's anything, we don't know if there's a health issue. We don't really know if sulf, high sulfites are driving, making you feel bad. We don't know. Here's what we do know. We don't know any of this from a scientific point of view because we don't have any studies to support it. Here's what we know, and here's what you know. When you drink natural, lower alcohol, sugar-free wines, you simply feel better, and they taste better, right? And so there could be any number of variety of factors from lab-grown yeast to, to maceration periods to these additives to sugar. You know, sugar and alcohol are not friendly partners, and you'll know this, and your audience would know this, because if you've ever had a shot of tequila versus drinking a margarita, you'll know that how you feel during and after that is very different when you add the sugar. 100%. Right? Yeah. And so if you had three shots of tequila in a night, chased with some water, or had or had, you know, the, the, the paleo margaritas, say tequila and sparkling water and lime juice. You know, if you had three of those versus drinking three margaritas, you're gonna feel way different in the morning. 100%, right. And also very different during your drinking experience because part of the, as you know from drinking dry farm wines, part of the experience of drinking a sugar-free, lower alcohol, natural additive-free wine Part of that experience is even when you're drinking, you feel better, right? Like immediately you're lifted, right? The buzz is different. It's fresher. It's better. It's more cognitively connected. It's more spiritual. I did got to jump in here because I would imagine that some people are listening to you and being like, this is kind of far out. What's he talking about? But I am like in lockstep with everything you're saying. I will sometimes, and I want to just say too, like I don't drink just, I, I approach wine the same way I approach food. I don't, I don't drink wine just for the sake of drinking wine. I will only drink good wine, hard stop. I don't eat food like 
if I'm hungry, I'm not going to reach for a Twinkie. I'm going to reach for like really nourishing food. So that's just something that I want to say. Like I'm not mainlining wine because I want to get a buzz. I want to do it because I enjoy the experience. It brings me joy. Back in the day when I was really struggling, I had to like work this mantra, which is the things that I enjoy are good for me. And wine is one of those things. But I will pour myself a glass of dry farm wines. I will sit down. I will like journal. I'll pull cards. I'll meditate. I'll do like a breathwork experience. Like I like pull it into my routine, like into like a spiritual experience, like absolutely. So I am totally picking up what you're putting down right now. Well, I mean, and also, you know, when you're gathered and drinking wine with other people, it's it, it, it opens up a window of vulnerability. This is the reason people oftentimes bond over alcohol. I mean, it just, you know, you, we just get to be seen. And everybody wants to be seen. You know, we get to be more, we give ourselves kind of this permission to be, more available and so and when you have that kind of consciousness and that connection you know it's just it's it's just a beautiful experience it creates you know it just creates a lot more love in the world so it's just that the, the feeling is distinctly different when you're drinking these types of wines now if you're not going to buy wine from us which is great i still think you should be drinking natural wines the problem is they're hard to find now, not all natural wines also meet all of our criteria. So our criteria is over and above natural wine. Natural wine is just the beginning. Then we require that the wine be lower in alcohol. We require that the wine is sugar-free. We require that the wine not be irrigated, right? The name of our company is Dry Farm Wines. Dry farming means to farm without irrigation. Just in the, just in the vineyards that, that we harvest wines from um, by the way we don't sell domestic wine as you know because there's no US wines that meet our criteria for health so when just in the vineyards that we work with not irrigating saves over a billion gallons of water a year so if you care about the planet you should care about natural wines you should care about irrigation and irrigation is widespread across the United States. So more than 99% of all vineyards in the U.S. are irrigated. Now, why do you irrigate? Hmm. I'll tell you why. It's cheaper, it's faster, and it yields a bigger grape. So it might not surprise you that when you irrigate a grape, you get a bigger cluster, and the cluster weighs more because the grape's filled with water. Well, that matters because, see, fruit is sold by the ton. So when, grape, when grapes are sold, they're sold by weight. The bigger they are, the more they weigh, the more they're worth. So this is the reason that you irrigate. Irrigation is completely unnecessary for grape farming, and it's most widely spread used in the United States. Um, so anyway, the, in fact, in most parts of Europe, it's, it's against the law to irrigate a grapevine because Europeans have been making growing wines for 3,000 years know what I know that is when you irrigate a grapevine you create a fruit that is a much lower quality it wouldn't surprise you that filling a grape berry with water dilutes its character mm. and its flavor profile which leads to another problem higher alcohol wines well how are those related because 
in order to develop proper flavoring in an irrigated grape, you have to pick it at a higher sugar level. So it's called bricks. So the bricks is the way that you measure the sugar level in a berry at the time of harvest. Well, remember when we were making wine and the yeast is eating the sugar, the more sugar there is for the yeast to eat, the more alcohol you generate on the backside. So the higher the sugar at the time of, the higher the sugar content in the fruit at the time of harvest determines ultimately the amount of alcohol. Because the higher the sugar, the more alcohol you create. By the way, while most people don't bother to even look or think too much about it, perhaps until after hearing me talk about it, but <laughs> but the, the the most people don't notice or even look at the amount of alcohol stated on a wine bottle, but it's another interesting collusion between the government and the wine industry. The amount of alcohol stated on a wine bottle, this is the reason we do lab testing for it, because we're super vigilant about moderate alcohol use. The amount of alcohol stated on a wine bottle by law is not required to be accurate. So if it says 14% on the bottle, by law it can be as high as 15.5% and still be legal. Which is why we lab test for alcohol because I simply feel better drinking less alcohol. Now, do I still get a buzz? I don't know. You, can, you could probably validate this. Do you get a buzz from it? Yes. <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's just lighter and fresher. It's just not as heavy-handed. And the ride up in the buzz is not like that. It's not, it's not a thrust. It's like a gentle rise. But the other thing, too, is like hang I, bef there was a period of time where I l just couldn't drink wine because I would have a glass. And then, like, I would literally feel hungover an hour after drinking like full-blown hangover and I'm just well, like you get a headache from these products I gnarly yeah and I then it would like last I, I cannot, to the next I day can't drink it. I get a headache right here in the frontal lobe. I can't drink it I mean I can't drink these I won't drink them right so and kind so, of like in summary there's some of the reasons that conventional wine make us feel like garbage it's the additives it's the sugar it's the way that it's processed it's the high alcohol it could potentially be the um, the, the sulfites, but then the added it could sulfur. be chemicals in farming as well. We don't know. I mean, the, 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 you know, Roundup glyphosate is the number one applied herbicide in U.S. vineyards. And I imagine so, they, I know that wine, uh, excuse me, I know that grapes, like the grapes that we eat are one of like the, the top crops that are liberally sprayed. Right. So, so I would imagine the same is true for wine grapes. Well, when you go into, you can see this. I mean, I live in California part of the time. And so you, you can see, you can look at a vineyard and tell whether it's been treated with Roundup. Because, see, a natural vineyard, the, 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 natural, the organic natural farmer wants insects and weeds and growth and herbs and flowers and bees and butterflies all in the vineyard. This is part of the natural state of, of nature's balance. It's when we start interrupting nature's balance, that's when we have to start using chemicals to control everything, right? So nature already is connected and has perfect and elegant control over everything. So, uh, so it's when we come in and start interrupting. So when you go into a natural organic vineyard, it, it's it sometimes 
weeds and grasses and flowers will be chest high, right up, right up into the grapes, right up into the, that's not the case when you look at, when you come to see American vineyards, most of them are just barren under the, uh, completely barren. And those vineyards have been treated with herbicides, so there's nothing growing in there but the grape. In fact, right under the vines, if they've been treated, it'll look sort of like um, like lava. It'll be a, a very dark, very hard soil um, just, just under the vines. And the natural farmers usually don't plow either, sometimes, but not usually, because the natural farmer takes the point of view that that living soils are the most important thing to a nourished, properly developed vine is having soils that are alive and they want insects in that soil, right? In that topsoil. They want, there are millions and millions of organisms that, that live just beyond, just below the soil. This is this, the soil that's living, it has kind of all kinds of organisms in it. When you turn it up and plow it, you expose that, that soil to the sun, and the sun kills all those organisms. So usually they don't plow. I mean, I've seen occasional cases where that does take place, but usually the natural wine farmer, you walk in, and it's like walking into a forest, and it's not been plowed at all. And what it, he wants is, what they want is for this whole vineyard to be alive with organisms. There's a movie that I watched a few years ago. I forget the name of it, but this family essentially The lived- Little Big Farm. No. no. Oh, have you seen that one? With, no, it has nothing to oh, do with farming. They lived in like the wilderness. They lived in the forest. Oh, yeah. And then they came in like kind of came into society. Um, and there was this like scene. It was like such juxtaposition of like them living in the forest and then them walking into a supermarket. It was just like bright lights, harsh, lots of like sterilization. And I just feel like that is like the, the difference between like how nature in, intends for us to live and how we currently live and like the food system, you know, conventional production of food and wine, and then like sort of the natural production of how, how things exist. Um, but it's, it's really reminding me of that scene right now, the way that you're talking. I do, before we jump off, I do want to uh, talk a little bit about the particular farm's where you do get the wine from, because I know that that's a really important thing for you. And you're talking about visiting these farms. And so I'm, I'm sure you have a connection to, to the people that grow your wine. We do. I mean, like we have, you know, we have a six people in, in Europe right now who are, yeah, you know, our first trip since actually since COVID began, we were, had a team in Europe when COVID started that we had to fly back kind of in a rush. Um, but uh, and we just went back over about 10 days ago to, uh, but normally we're there most of the year uh, touring with farmers and meeting with them and going to natural wine fairs. So these organic natural wine growers have, they gather together in groups. They're all connected. There's only about a thousand in the world. They all, many of them know each other and they go to these fairs, which are primarily held in Europe, but. Uh, there are a couple scattered around the world outside of Europe, but most of them are in Europe. And and we, uh, you know, so we meet with and vet and tour, you know, hundreds and hundreds of farms. We work with about 800 family farms, very small. Usually on these farms, they're, these are like hippies, right? They're, they're not, 
there's nobody's making any money in natural wine. They're very affordable. As you know, our wines are all are the same price. They're like $25 a bottle for a handcrafted natural product. It's super good value. Uh, is, so natural wine farmers aren't making a ton of money because they can't make wine in very large volumes. So most of these farms are, you know, they're very biodiverse. Most of them produce other things in addition to natural wine because they can't make enough money just selling natural wine. So they're oftentimes also olive oil producers. Uh, they usually, everybody, most of the time, these are second or third or fourth generation wine growers. And so very often the entire family works on the farm uh, or associated with the, the winery, if you will. Also, it's not like when you go to, when you go to a natural wine farm, it's not like going to an American vineyard tasting room. There is no tasting room. It's um, the very first thing the farmer wants to do is take you to the vineyard and talk about the soil. He just wants to hold the soil, talk about the shik, which is the rock, and, you know, really talk about farming and the soil, the soil, the soil. Even if it's in the middle of the winter and it's snowing and the wind is blowing, they still want to just take you to the vineyard and talk about soil. And then you'll come back, and there is no tasting room, so you either taste like in the family kitchen or in the cellar where they're fermenting wine or st st storing wine. That's where you do taste. There is no tasting room like you would know in an American situation. Uh, there are some places like Bordeaux where there's some fancy tasting rooms, but that's not natural wine, right? For natural wine growers, I mean, they can't afford all that. One of the reasons that natural wine growers never used new oak barrels was because they couldn't afford them, right? Because new oak barrels are about 800 euros or about $950 each, and natural wine growers couldn't, so they never used them. And then it became a thing that they were just never used. And so there's, you know, it's just a lot. So these families are just, they're living a way of life. Most of what they eat, they grow or produce on their farm or the neighbors of, or their farm, the neighboring farms. They're, you know, when you go and, you know, we oftentimes eat with them. And so it's always like, very often like the 90-year-old grandmothers over the stove, right? And then it's like, I mean, it's like, this is old world. These are like little tiny, this is nothing fancy. You know, this is just like, these are people living a lifestyle, which is one of the reasons that they're so committed to organic and chemical-free farming is that they're just living this lifestyle and this spiritual belief and about how they think about nature and the connected source energy that is nature. And they're stewardship their responsibility to protect the natural way and so and they'll talk about that they talk a lot about protecting you know like like um like in italy i know this farmer who you know rather than say protecting nature his is how we would say it in english he would say you know protecting the natural and so because everything, and the reason I mentioned the movie, The Little Big Farm, is because it's a story, it's a documentary that takes place over a six or eight, peri six, six or eight year period where this farm, where this young couple buys a farm in California and, and reconstitutes it and regenerates it back to a bio, it was, it was a monocultural 
chemically farmed um, farmland that they then turn back to a biodiverse um, organic farm. And it really shows all the ways that they solved all of their problems using natural ways, right? And how all of the animals interacted to support the entire ecosystem of the farm. Like the ducks would eat the overrun of snails, right? So when snails would get high, the ducks would come eat them, right? Then when the snails were eating the plants, they bring the ducks and the ducks would eat the snails. So it's just like there's this whole connected source energy that is nature and it all works out just the we spent the mother nature spent a couple billion years forming this earth right and got all this figured out over many evolutionary periods how everything could support and it's a harsh world it's you know it's not always elegant but it works all together where you know some organisms are at the support of others some people eat and some people get eaten right not eaten but organisms eat or get eaten so that's 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 the way the natural wine farmer thinks about the connection of all that is nature oh i love that so much um and then you're like you know that's what you're consuming but this is one thing that i am really trying to drill into people when we're in such like a high consumption culture whether it's consuming food or consuming booze or consuming information or, you know, we're constantly consuming and we very rarely stop and think about the energy that goes into the production of what we are consuming. And it's so important. It's just so, so important. I, um, can you just tell us briefly about how your subscription works? Because this is the one thing that I was like, I knew I wanted to try it out, but I'm a control freak. So the thought of like having somebody else pick out my wine was made me a little hesitant, but I can say, I mean, I don't know how many years I've been, um, I've been drinking dry farm wine, at least two, maybe three, but, um, I love every single bottle that I've had every single one. I'm not just saying well, that, like every single yeah, one. It makes it super easy because we also have a 100% happiness promise. If you don't like a bottle, just let us know and we'll replace it or refund it immediately, no questions asked. Um, because we have a lot of confidence in the quality of the wine. So we curate wines from around the world, all across Europe, South America, and South Africa. And so, but most of it comes from Europe. So we curate these wines and then we put these boxes together and we send it to you now we are right now as we speak we just introduced a bold red subscription or so we're going to have a pinot so we're going to allow so people are able to customize based on their preferences uh, a little bit more closely but one thing about just getting randomly curated wines that are different every month is that you get to try things you would never try before totally right with grapes you've never heard of uh and wines and regions you've never heard of and so people tend to order what they know yep right and so so if they're if they're accepting our curated selection just our classic curated selection then they're getting things that they would never ever have an opportunity to taste or even know about and grapes they've never heard of and so some of my favorite grapes today are grapes I'd never heard of before I got in the natural wine business. And so because natural wines are oftentimes grown from very old vines, what we would call ancestral varietals, 
that don't exist because in the conventional world and conventional wines, a lot of these ancestral varietals don't produce big yields. They're not desirable from a profit point of view. Also, the older a vine gets, the lower its yield becomes. And so in North America, they replant vines about every 15 years, right? Because about at that point, the yield starts to go down from the vine. Younger vines produce more robust yields, meaning more fruit. So older vines produce less fruit, but higher quality. And so that, you know, so, so by using, by, by just taking our classic curated box, you get this opportunity to kind of travel all over the wine world right from your, right from your kitchen. But we can also customize your subscription. So if you like, I only want to drink Pinot Noir, so we can do that. I only like big, whole, bold red wine. Great, we'll do that for you. So we'll customize anything you want. Now, we are a subscri subscription-based service. We, our subscribers can get subscriptions in three, six, or 12 bottles. Some people get one box a week, right? So then other people get one box a quarter, or one every other month, or once a month. So they can choose any frequency and any amount that they want to get delivered. They can have multiple subscriptions if they want, and many people do. They um, Also, we have a very elegant, easy-to-access account portal. So you can go in, you can skip a subscription, you can skip a delivery, you can delay a delivery, you can, put your, you can put your deliveries on pause, you can cancel your deliveries, you can cancel your subscription. We don't try to make this tricky in any way. Totally, yeah. We're, we're a wine club who sells wine to people who drink wine on a fairly regular basis and want a subscription. But however, we're not trying to trick people into it or make it difficult to get out. If you want out, it should be one click away, right? Cancel my subscription, easy. In fact, 16% of people cancel the same day they subscribe. Now many people resubscribe, so I might be one of those people. So I'm gonna order a box from you. All right, I'm gonna subscribe. I get my order in, my box comes in. Or same day I order, I go in and then cancel, right? So I don't get any future boxes. But then I drink the wine, I like it, then I resubscribe again. So it's like we don't make it tricky. You can. This is very easy to do. So again, because we're a wine club, because we want to help regular wine drinkers, they're the ones who need our help the most because they drink the most, right? And so that's you know. So we're a wine club or a subscription base, but. We don't make that difficult to get out of. And tons of flexibility to stop it, slow it down, speed it up, you know, anything you want, change the address for a special delivery if you're on vacation or so on and so forth. Yeah, it's been so easy. The interface is really easy. And it's um, it's definitely has expanded my wine horizons. So that's why I'm like, I don't want to curate anything. I want to just like keep getting to experience different things that we wouldn't like pick up at the liquor store, for example. We can't find the stuff by us. So it's no, 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 that no, it no, just no, gets... no. If you go into, if you... yeah, I mean, you're not going to find these. Right. Like it's there. not, it's just not really available to us any other place. So thank you so much for doing what you do. And thank you for coming on the show to educate us all about the wine world. I learned a ton today and I know that other, everybody else listening will as well. Awesome. It was a great time. Thanks for having me and uh, cheers. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.